Happy Mother's Day to all you moms. Hope you guys are having a wonderful, wonderful Mother's Day. Um, man, thank you guys. My name is uh, Casey. I think I've met everybody here so far. I think we've got a couple of new faces, which is cool. Love that. Uh, love to get to know you. Actually, I uh, had quite a few. I, I think everybody was getting ready for brunch on Mother's Day. So we were like, I think we were, I don't think there was an empty seat in the first service, which is very unusual. So, but that's cool to have everybody here, man. We thank you guys so much for, uh, for coming in. Hey, let me, um, let me think about something here. Um, let me do something. Can you guys all kind of come up to the front? Carry on, carry on. Here what we got going on. So we're Mother's Day. Hey, invite more people if you don't want to get if it don't want to be awkward. Okay, I mean I'm just saying. Hey, bring people with you. This is just weird. You don't ever do this. I know, I know. But here's uh, guys, we got a couple things we got got going on. Um, first off, it is Mother's Day. We get that. We get Mother's Day. Uh, second off, want to tell everybody, man, that that it ultimately it is not about the the see. It's not about being a physical parent that God really, really freaks out. See, anybody can make a kid, right? Amen. Anybody can make a make a, a child. In fact, we've got got fatherless child orphans. We're talking about all the time that kind of thing. We're talking about you know this month. We're looking at you know really getting involved with uh, fostering and adoption and the care portal and and all those kinds of things. But today, I want to talk to you about about, about being a spiritual a spiritual parent. Like, like, it's important for us to understand what, it, what, what God really wants us to be is bringing other people along, parenting other people spiritually. There's a guy named Ed Stetzer that wrote an article a couple of, couple of uh, years ago. It's, uh, in Christ, it's from Christianity Today, and, um, and, it's, it, and it's from October 2013 called The State of Church in America. And he says, kind of a subtitle, hint, it's not dying. And I agree with him on this. And he said in 1990, about 86% of Americans called themselves Christian. And we're thinking, man, that's a pretty large majority of the, of the population of America. And today, according in, in 2013, and I'll bet you it's even less now, about 75% call themselves Christian. Now, a lot of people say, okay, well, the church in America is dying. And I, and I, and I agree with Stetzer in his article, if you ever want to read it. I agree with him that it's not actually dying. I think that the nominal Christians who were who, who were just looking for an excuse to kind of jump off the bandwagon and and it, because culturally speaking 25 years ago it probably wasn't as cool to say i'm not a christian now it's a little bit more cool to say so so people are more willing to say so you catch what i'm saying on that so i think nowadays it's a little bit easier to say i'm not a christian nobody's gonna go well you're gonna go straight to hell people are like oh okay as long as whatever's good for you so i think that the cream of the crop is rising so i think that's actually healthy for the church because a lot of times we we have I don't want to, you know, I want to call it dead weight or anything like that because we do want to evangelize to those who are lost, evangelize to those who are not actually true followers of Jesus. But ultimately, guys, we're trying to help people understand what it means to be a follower of Christ. And if people are not going to come along, if people are just coming coming along because Mama said it's Mother's Day and I want my babies to be in church, right? If that's the reason they're coming, guys, listen, listen. We want to we want to disciple people, but ultimately, people have got to learn what it means to. To, to grow up, and then we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. Stetzer breaks these folks down, these, these 75% of Americans that call themselves Christians, and about a third of them are actually cultural Christians, and I will say cultural only because they just haven't been 
Muslim. I mean, they, nobody's told them that they're anything different other than a, a Christian. They may have been brought up that way, or they may have said, well, I'm, all my friends are, so I just kind of hang out and be a, I'll call myself one too. The other, uh, another third is congregational. About a third of the self-proclaimed Christians are at least affiliated with a church. Like they have some sort of like, I'm a, I'm a Protestant, I'm a Baptist, I'm a, you know, a Presbyterian, I'm a Methodist, I'm a cat, whatever. You could, so they at least say, I, I call myself a Christian and I am a, have a member of my name is on a roster somewhere at some local church. The third part is the third person, and this is the one that, that Stetzer says is like the more pinnacle, if you will, uh, is a convictional Christian. Someone who is actually living out their faith. <coughs> at minimum, they have uh, had a life change that they associate with Jesus. Now, he, now, now check this out, though. No, neither one, neither one of these. Now, the, the, so many people think oh, I'm actually somebody who has had a life change. That's not what Jesus has asked us to be. Someone who says, "Yeah, I have a life change. Yeah, I'm different now because I know Jesus." None of those people describe the cultural, the congregational, the convictional. Neither one of those three are what Jesus has asked us to be. Is that not weird? You think about it. Well, I, I have had a life change. I'm actually, I have, I have faith and things like that. Jesus didn't even say that. Didn't, Jesus didn't say, hey, I, hey have uh, confidence in me. Have a, have, a, have, a, have a deep faith in me. He didn't even say that. Here's what he said for us to be, the kind of person, the kind of follower he said to be, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to to me therefore go what and do what make disciples we say this quite a bit because this is the heartbeat and the foundation of what we're about at new city church we're not about making people feel good we're not about giving people a bunch of knowledge we're not about trying to entertain people we're about baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and the holy spirit don't go to the next slide this is an important piece because this is what churches tend to do and this is where churches tend to stop this is where most churches in america and no wonder people are cultural no wonder people are even convictional and people somehow say well they're real strong christians because they got some sort of life change and they seem to beat their chest and they say oh i love jesus that kind of thing here's what he said for us to do teach them to do what Obey what? Some of the things that I, obey some of the principles of Christianity? Obey some of the doctrinal things that your pastor teaches? Or obey everything I have commanded you? And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. And he should be with us. And we thank God he's with us. Thank, thank him he's with us. Because it is scary. Man, it is frightening. Just like, how many, how many people were like scared when they first became a, a parent? Like you moms, right? Your first kid, you were like, oh man, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Oh man, this is crazy. A same thing goes with spiritual discipleship, spiritual parenting, man. Sometimes we're like all freaked out, like, whoa, man, we're frozen. We don't want to go there. We don't want to go, I, I ask somebody to, to be in a disciple group. We don't want to have, like, like, God, you've laid this person on me, but I'm, I'm scared, Right? Same thing goes with us. That's why Jesus says, I will be with you to the very end of the age. Stand up a point this week. I was meeting with a, <coughs> a young cat this week, man. He's a junior at Gardner Edgerton High School. He's a great Christian. He's a, I would say he's probably a convictional Christian. He has some deep faith. He reads his Bible, that kind of thing. He's done some great stuff. 
been to probably every youth group in the Gardner-Edgerton School District area and more. And I, I was having this conversation with him this week, and I said, hey, man, how, tell me about what you do in your, in your, in your groups, in your, like your youth ministry or whatever that is. He goes, man, we have games, and then we have a lesson. And it's really cool. What I really like is when the games tie into the lesson, and we learn, and all this kind of stuff. And I said, well, what's the Great Commission? By the way, the Great Commission is what I just read you about, making disciples, teaching them to obey. And he couldn't tell me, and I, you know, that's, that's understandable. Sometimes people don't know what I'm talking about and that kind of thing. So, well, read Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He read it to me, right? And I said, what does it say? And he said, to me, it says, I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, don't, don't say that. Don't say to me or, or to, the way it, what, what God's saying to, to me. Uh, and I think it, it, it doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what it says to me. It doesn't matter what I feel it says. It doesn't even matter how I think God wants me to interpret this. What, it's, what is important for us to say, what does it say? And I said, go deep. Go, I mean, like, like, hit it line by line. Hit it verse by verse. Really, I mean, ask yourself, what is he saying? And he's like, wow. He said, we're supposed to teach people to obey. It's a bingo, right? In all your years, how long have you been a Christian? He goes, man, I, as, as long as I can, I can remember. I said, all right, so, so from the moment you were conceived, you were, you were a fetal Christian, right? I mean, you were, you were somebody who knew Jesus from the time you, like as far as you can remember. You've been to all kinds of Sunday schools, all kinds of uh, youth groups, all kinds of churches, all kinds of services, all kinds of things. Has you ever, has anybody ever asked you, has anybody ever challenged you to actually step into being a spiritual parent and teach people to obey. And he was real honest. He said, man, not that I can remember. Are you kidding me? Do you see why the church in America is declining? Why it's so, so, so easy for somebody to go, man, I just don't even need the church. Well, of course you don't need the church, man. If the church, all the church is, is telling you all about Jesus and gathering people around and having great fellowship and all that kind of stuff, and we're not actually doing what Jesus said to do, of course it's easy to leave, amen? But when we step into the obedience to Christ and we teach other people and we bring people along and we teach people what it means to actually bring people along and help under, people understand what it means to be a spiritual parent, we're doing what Jesus said and nobody wants to leave. It's crazy. Why would nobody want to leave the church? Because they're responsible for people. It's like, it's, it's like how many times do we leave, does a, does a parent leave the home, like abandon his kids, and we think, oh, what a low life, right? You don't want to be the low life in the, in the spiritual realm here, amen? So there's several phases of these. And what we can do, and what this, this young man was telling me about, he was basically, and you fill this out in your bulletins, you can mimic spiritual growth by doing lots of spiritual activities, you could sing songs, you can have campfires, you can do kumbaya in the name of Jesus. All this kind of stuff, but it doesn't ultimately matter if we're not doing what Jesus said to do. If we're not teaching people to obey Jesus, if we're not actually making disciples, we are in disobedience. Amen? So there are several phases of spiritual maturity I want you to show. You actually got a, a preview of that during the video of, uh, of the, of, of this is the, um, what we call the, Putman Circle, and if you're in discipling, you know a little bit about this, you know, and, and basically this kind of goes clockwise, if you will, but every, there's a stage that all of us go through. We're born essentially dead. We haven't accepted Jesus yet, 
We're all born into a fallen world. We get that. Then we become an infant, and we're a child or a teenager, a young adult, and a parent is ultimately what we want us want to do. And it's incredible to me how many churches are, are trying to make people spiritual adults when and even missing that. Like I, I have this vision of, of of Satan and his demons high fiving each other. Boom, 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 man, we got him again. Man, they got them all into all kinds of spiritual activities. Man, the youth group is awesome. They're entertained. Man, they're having games. Even the lessons are tying into the games. Man, they're got all kinds of Bible studies. Man, that's Sunday school. We got them rocking in Sunday school. Man, these guys are even getting into the Greek. But they're not learning to obey Jesus. They're not doing what Jesus said to do. It's crazy, man. And I, I'm thinking, man, we can do all this kind of stuff. I'm not knocking other churches. I'm not knocking other youth groups. I'm not knocking Bible studies. I'm not knocking Sunday school. I'm not knocking all these things that we can do, but I am knocking it if it replaces or masks growth spiritually, the activities, if it has a, a, a form of godliness, but in essence, it's more like Satan. Like, like let me explain this. Like, if we're Trying to be more like Satan. Satan knows the Bible. Satan knows the Bible in the Greek. He knows every translation. He knows, he's, he's sitting there watched the Bible being formed all through history. He's been there when he saw creation happen. He's all this kind of stuff. Man, he knows more than we could ever know. He's seen more than we could ever, ever see until we get to know, see God face to face. He's been there. He's done that. But he doesn't do the one thing that Jesus asks us to do. He doesn't obey him. But he knows the Bible, right? Amen? You ever thought about that? Anybody ever, ever, you ever, you ever just thought, am I trying to be more like Satan or am I trying to be obedient to Jesus? So those phases of spiritual maturity, I want to kind of go over them quickly if we can. But those phases of spiritual maturity, obviously, like we said, we're, we're someone who's dead. They're characterized by ignorance about Jesus or arrogance. Either no one's ever told them about Jesus, and believe it or not, man, there are people even in our country that have never heard the name of Jesus. So you can spot a spiritually dead person by what they say and do. Man, some of them are even nice. Man, I, I question people that go to do mission work all across the world and stuff. It's great stuff. They build wells. They hand out Bibles. They do all this kind of stuff. And many of those folks, man, I, I pray, and I hope this isn't the case, but I'm afraid that many of those folks are essentially escaping Jesus himself because they don't actually ever teach anybody to obey, but they make great sacrifices in their homes, great sacrifices in their families great sacrifices just to go do something in the name of Jesus. But as Jesus many times, if you, if you remember, there were people that are going to be like, Jesus, did I do this, this, this in your name? He goes, away from me, I, I, I never knew you. And these are people that go, even sometimes go to church. They say, I go to church, therefore I'm a Christian. Or they'll say things like, oh, all roads lead to God, or there's no such thing as real right and wrong. Or you hear them say a lot, yeah, but what about, yeah, but what about, yeah, but what about whenever we're trying to explain things about Jesus? There's always this antagonistic thing about about God, about his truth. Then someone who comes to know Jesus, like they have this, this, this great awakening. The Holy Spirit opens their eyes. They become Jesus' sheep, right? They, what Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. They know me and they follow me. All of a sudden they're awakened and they understand Jesus. And I love spiritual babies. Well, you got a baby in the house, right? Where, where'd Mia go? She right here? No, she gone? She went out there? Well, when Mia's a little bitty, right? First baby, right? The, the first poop she get her awesome. It's like, ooh, look at this. You got a poop, right? She's like, ah, oh, so cool, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> Dudes are like, moms are like, yeah, that's my baby. Happy Mother's Day. I'm a. But if, when Mia's 13 and she ain't potty trained yet, right? 
right? You're going to have a problem, Kayla, right? I mean, Kayla, like, girl, come on, you need to grow up, seriously. I mean, you, you understand what I'm saying, but I love, I love spiritual babies. And see, here's one thing that, that we tend to do as a church. We tend to convert somebody, make them an infant, and abandon them. We don't, we don't, we don't help them grow up. See, the, the, the baby, a child is characterized by a new love of Jesus with an ignorance of Scripture and truth, possibly. Some people knew no Scripture, then come to know God later. But they need basic knowledge. Hebrews 5, um, 11 through 6, 12 says this. Not, we think Paul wrote this, but we're not really sure. <clears throat> but he said, we have much to say about this. And he's talking about Christ and the resurrection and all this kind of stuff. But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand in fact, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need, to, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the what? Mature, meaning we're supposed to be maturing in this, amen? If we're still sucking on the bottle... Five years later, after we come to know Jesus, somebody abandoned us or we were rebellious, right? You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk is still an infant, not equated with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature by the constant use who have trained themselves. Guys, whose, whose responsibility is it to grow up in the faith? What's it say? Loudly, guys. You know, ourselves. Who have trained themselves to dis- distinguish good from evil. Man, I'm telling you, this is a, one of those things. I'm going to challenge us here in just a little bit to, 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 to grow up no matter where you're at. Even if you're a spiritual parent, we still got some growing to do. And we won't stop growing until we get there, right? I've heard somebody say, we won't get there until we get there. Yeah, man, got to keep going, keep going. We won't get there until we get there, right? Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings. Do we have to go through this again? Guys, this is not an important, this is, I love this. About Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to what? Death and of laying, and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment. These are basic things, man. And I'll tell you what, so man, some, some of us in the church don't even know anything about this stuff. And God permitting, we will do so. Listen to what he says. It's kind of controversial a little bit. I had somebody actually add this. Uh, I had the first time visitor talk to me about something they remembered in the scripture, and I love it. But it, said, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared the, in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have what? Fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace now understand something a lot of people think that that means you can lose your salvation i do not believe that only when you look at the scriptures and you say jesus said like i said before my sheep know me they 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 hear my voice they know me and they follow me no one can snatch them out of my hands what jesus said and then i'm thinking psalm 51 david after he had committed murder and i mean slander and lying and adultery i mean he busted out the top 10 commandments in a matter of a couple of chapters even he didn't say, Lord, give me back my salvation. He said, restore to me the joy of my salvation in, in, in Psalm 51. I had a, had a guy named Alvin, his first time visitor today. And he said, you know, Paul even said there was f- some of those folks let them go. They were never with us. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, this is, a, this is a wild thing. There are people that come into the church and they go, man, I felt something. Man, I, 
feel convicted of something. Man, I, I, I can sense that there's something special about it. I've had several people tell me that this morning. This place is awesome. And my fear is my, well, I would say my fear. God's got this. He knows his sheep, right? But my concern for some of these folks that come into the church, man, they're like, man, they're like, they, they taste this. But as soon as it gets hard, they're out, right? How many of us have seen folks have that rocky soil as soon as they as soon as they hear the word of god they taste a little bit of it, like man this is awesome man i think i want to join man i think i want to be part of who we are i want to go help that kind of thing but as soon as somebody leans into them starts to hey you know what you, you you need to learn to obey this in your life you need to learn to to whoa whoa, whoa you need to stay out my way right or, or you know there's there's run away i'll question i'm not judging i'm just questioning a lot of times whether they were saved at all to their loss, they're crucifying the son all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful for those who, for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But, everybody say but. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Ah, let's get into some fun stuff. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. The things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. Listen to this closely. Because he's talking about being spiritually immature. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have what? <laughs> Helped his people and continue to help them. It's like... It's like some people say, well, you know, I, 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 I got a disciple group. I released all my disciple groups. Uh, I'm done. He says to continue to help them. Guys, we are supposed to be spiritual parents till we die. Amen? That's what we, so we don't want to just give up. And this is what Paul says. This is the reason, man. It is, it is not just that you have done it because so many people are, are banking on yesterday's home runs, right? Royals are doing that right now. I mean, like, well, we're world champions, but we're losing. I mean, you know, you, you catch what I'm saying. So, so many of us are doing that spiritually. It's like, I've done that, but I don't want to do it anymore. That's disobedience as well. He didn't say do it once. He said continue to do it. Go make disciples of all nations. So you could spot a spiritual infant by what they do and they say. They'll say things like, hey, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I, I, I don't have time to be in a relationship with other Christians. I got my own life to do. Or I'm saved. I don't need anything else. In essence, I'm saved to hell with everybody else, right? This is what people that are baby or maybe baby Christians or even dead Christians sometimes will say. And by the way, if you are not baptized, we have baptism on May 22nd. You put that on your connect card, man. I want you to understand. Some people are like, man, I want, I, I've never been baptized. I want to take that first step of obedience because that was what the Great Commission says baptize them, then teach them to obey. I'm tired of hearing people say, man, I'm, oh, I got to get my stuff right. I don't know enough. I gotta, I'm going to be baptized when I do some Bible study. Man, golly, it's not the, you're missing the point, right? There's one verse I want you to learn. So, baptize, then learn to obey. Teenagers. I love teenagers, man. Love teenagers. People that are starting to, to read on their own, starting to get this whole thing on their own they're starting to figure this whole thing out they're starting to have a bunch of great questions um this person who is a teenager is moved on from spiritual milk but may or may not be self-centered so they're able to to not go back to the basics necessarily but they're able to 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 
you know, feed themselves, like read their own Bibles and that kind of thing. They're able to, but many times they're, so, they're, they're kind of self-centered. I love them. They have a kind of an understanding of new life that they, that they understand. They're self-aware. They can ask outstanding questions. They can also do some negative things in the church. If, they're, if it depends on how, you know, if, if nobody's walking with them, many times spiritual teenagers get allowed to do these things. In fact, many churches will... I mean, like, like produce programs and, and studies and fellowship groups just to satisfy spiritual teenagers. And here's what they'll say. Uh, some spiritual teenagers will say, I don't feel connected. If, if I hear anybody say that in our church, I think I'm going to puke. Because here's the, re- here's the reason. We've got city groups, Monday nights and Tuesday nights. We've got an entire team of called the, the Connect Team that is, that, is, that is starting to get people together so that they can connect with the church. Uh, there's opportunities to serve in Kid City and an usher and a greeter and a coffee and, a, and all kinds of ways to, to serve and that kind of thing. Uh, you moms now have no reason at all not to be connected because we're paying for you to get connected every, uh, every other Saturday. In fact, they had a, a meeting yesterday. So in two weeks from yesterday at eight o'clock at Groundhouse Coffee, the ladies are even going to meet. On, on Grand House. You have no reason not to. There's Serve Saturdays. There's a Friday night book study. Out the yang, there's opportunities to be served. And, and, and so if you want to be connected to the church, you want to be connected to other believers, show up. Amen. Because if you're not connected, that's your fault. And you may very well know that you may go, man, I think I might be a teenager. I never thought about it like that. Adults. I love spiritual adults because this is when we can start kind of honing in some of the things that God is, is asking us to do. Adults have become sure in the faith and in truth and in Scripture, and they truly love God and others. And this is where most churches try to get people to do. This is where they, they think this is the ultimate pinnacle. You've got to be an adult in the faith because they've grown up. They have a plan of action for growing. They're focused on others, not themselves. They're grounded in the truth. They're not afraid to be accountable to other people. They're, they're, they actually step into some of that. They, they've started to be self-sufficient spiritually. They read on their own. You know, nobody asks, did you read your Bible today? Like, shoot, man, I got this, right? They could spot a spiritual adult by things, by what they do and they say. They say things like, oh, man, I, I got, what a great day at church, man. Other people need to be here. They'll bring people here, right? How can I serve others better? They'll ask questions about other people and other people's needs rather than their own. They'll say things like, thank you for correcting me. And they'll say things like, where does the church need help? And even that, man, we would love to have like a whole bunch of people. Most churches would be like, man, it'd be great to have a bunch of people like that. But that's not even what Jesus asked for us to be. Jesus has commanded us to be spiritual parents. So we're honoring moms today because they're our biological parents or our earthly parents. And in reflection of that, Christ said be a parent to other people. A parent is one who is intentionally looking at, looking to disciple and pour into the lives of others and defends the unity of the church. I'm going to ask the band to come on up because I'll read uh, the Great Commission one more time. We'll finish up here very shortly. But I'm going to read a little bit more in context. Matthew 28, verse, starting in verse 16. So the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I bet they did because now there were people who were trying to kill him because they were following this guy. 
First century disciples couldn't hold a job. First century disciples, a testimony was not allowed in court. First century disciples were kicked out of families. No wonder they doubted. Then Jesus came up to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus has called us my brothers and sisters, to be a spiritual parent. Not a, just a follower, not just a, an attender, not just a, a someone who has this conviction in their heart that they've changed and that kind of thing, that they go to church, that they're a Baptist or a Protestant or a Catholic or anything like that. See, spiritual parents take complete ownership of their own spiritual maturity. They're not satisfied with just knowing the word and just obeying on their own they want to see other people do the same. They're discipling other people. They're able to see complex spiritual issues clearly the way God sees them. You could spot a spiritual parent by the things they do and they say. They, 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 they'll say things like, man, I need, will you, will you keep me accountable? They'll, they'll, they'll do things crazy like, like talk to somebody who's in sin and say, you know, uh, uh, have you understood that this is not what God wants for you? How many of us do that, right? How many people in church do that? Because we're afraid that we're going to offend somebody. It's like, offend them. Offend, please. Because, I mean, how many of us, uh, moms, especially you're in the house, if you, your kids are doing something, man, Johnny, don't do that. Don't, don't go there, Johnny. Don't lie. Don't put your hand on the stove. Don't put the knife in the socket, right? But how many of us just say, well, I don't want to offend you, Johnny. <laughs> you cool. Zap, I Oh, you're okay. I'm going to hug you. You know, let me pray for you. I know you're electrocuted and stuff, but it doesn't happen. Man, we'll, we'll, we'll pull Johnny aside. Man, don't do that. And he might start crying, son. I know you are upset with me right now, but you don't want to die. To celebrate Mother's Day, and we need to celebrate Mother's Day, and it's important for us to reflect what the, the kingdom ramifications of being a parent are. But ultimately, the eternal thing that we're supposed to do is be a parent in the in the faith not an adult in the faith stop trying to grow up in the faith to as if the pinnacle of 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 the faith is adulthood man that convictional christian like somebody who walks in the faith and somebody who reads their own bible and somebody who believes the truth and obeys god that kind of if you're not discipling other people you're disobedient to god why because Christ said, go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey. He said this to his disciples, amen? We've got a whole bunch of people that in our church that are about to be released to go grab folks and do that. Be ready. Be ready. See, if you are a, on your connect cards, guys, I want you to turn these in. I want you to be honest. I really do. On your connect card, you're saying, you're sitting there looking at this like, man, I don't, I don't even know if I believe. I don't, I don't think I've even accepted Christ as my Savior, man. Put that on there. 
And I know this is going to be hard, but, but, but right, I'm a baby. Or, or I'm, I'm dead if I haven't. If you're a new believer and you've never actually stepped into baptism or you've never actually taken, you may have gotten dunked and gotten wet, but you've never taken a step of growth, you're still sucking on a spiritual bottle. Put on there, I'm a baby. It's okay. I lo- we, man, you're loved no matter where you're at, but, but, but God is not pleased when we stop where we're at. See, there are spiritual parents that have stopped parenting. There are spiritual adults that have never stepped into that and have been Christians for decades and never stepped into the whole thing about what Christ actually said for us to be. And have stopped because it's that I've done my time, right? So if you're a spiritual teenager, based on what we talked about, put, I'm a teenager. If you're an adult, put, I'm an adult. If you're a parent, put, I'm a parent because I'm not done with you, right? See, spiritual parents need somebody pouring into them. And so if you're a spiritual parent and you're discipling other people and you're bringing other people and you're teaching other people to obey and you've got nobody pouring into you, you're going to run out of energy, you're going to run out of material, you're going to run out of all kinds of stuff. Guys, make sure you're doing that. You've got somebody in your life. I've got two guys that pour into me every week, Matt Miller and Phil Crowley. And I tell you what, I, I think I would have given up a long time ago if these guys didn't encourage me. Have you thought about this? Hey, man, where are you going with that? Hey, give me advice, give me, lo- give me love, put me through what's called a learning circle, all kinds of stuff. So put it, no matter where you're at, throw that on there. I expect to see a bunch, I really do. And it's okay no matter where you're at. And here's the one thing. Don't go to somebody when somebody says, you know, I don't feel like anybody feeds me. So don't, don't go to them and go, and you're just a spiritual teenager. Just recognize it. Because that's how you can know, amen? We're going to do something. We're going to do a communion this, this morning. Here's what I want to do too. I neglected you guys in the first service. I apologize. So I want to... Uh, have you guys do communion? As we do communion, guys, here's the, here's, the, here's the rule. We're not a big church on rules and stuff, but ladies first. Yeah. Scripture talks about not doing the communion in an unworthy manner. That if you have something against someone, if someone's got something against you, if you're in sin, and you haven't confessed it to God, then you probably may want to turn to someone you trust and confess that. That we don't do this in an unworthy manner, that we do this in a way that honors God, that we are, essentially our hearts have been purified. You know, this isn't, and God is very gracious and loving, a lot more gracious and loving than I would be if I were God. So thank God I'm not God, Amen. But as you have, you sit there and don't do this in an unworthy manager, it, it heaps judgment on you. But what we'll do is, is as we are confessing our, selves to, our sins to God, and if we have something against someone, if someone's got something against, go make it right with them before doing this. I, I remember in a church service years ago, I drove 45 minutes away. 40 minutes away from where we were. Said, I can't take communion. I got to go make it right with somebody. It's okay. Amen? This is not for just 
Baptists or Protestants or Catholics or anything like that. It's for all believers. We don't have to. We get to partake in all this. God, we love you. And we thank you. I mean, more than we could ever tell you. For what you have done. That we have the opportunity to. This is not just communion with each other. This is communion with you. Why do you want us, God? Why do you even desire us to get to know you more? Why do you want a relationship with us? That's a question, Lord, that many of us ask all the time. But that's the great thing about you. Is that you just do. And so we thank you for the opportunity to have communion with you. We love you, Lord. And it is in your son's blessed, holy, awesome, incredible name we pray. All God's people said, amen.